It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. Sponsored by Franchise Intellect, a full-service franchise consulting and development firm. More info franchiseintellect.com. Also made possible in part by Social Joke, the social media experts that provide hyper-local franchise. More info at socialjoey.com. And now, here's your host, Pam Curry. Hello, welcome to the Franchise Business Radio Show. Uh, this is Pamela Curry, Franchise Advisor and host of Franchise Business Radio. For our listeners out there, you know that the purpose of this show is really to have a platform for bringing together franchise professionals and resources to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community. We've got a couple, we have a couple guests in the studio here, and we have one virtual guest that's going to be joining us. Uh, just to give you the lineup for today, uh, in the studio, we have, of course, Ken Douglas, Director of Business Development and Partner with Social Joey. Hello, Good morning, Ken. Pam. <laughs> Good morning. Today? What a great day in Buckhead. <laughs> yes, long time no see. The, the weather's improving. <laughs> We're happy about that. In addition to the studio, we've got uh, John Krachotsky, which took me a long time to learn how to say that last name. But just to make it simple on everybody else, we just refer to him as John Q. <laughs> hey, John, welcome back. <laughs> hey, and you're getting real close to pronouncing it properly. Oh, oh darn. <laughs> Do you have, you have Rosetta Stone for your last name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say it for us, John. It's Quatraki. Oh, darn it. Okay. Well, John Q is in the house. Everybody and, tries uh, to make it a little more complicated <laughs> than it is. Actually, if you know your Latin, you know what my name means. Quattro means four. Oki means eyes. Stands for four eyes. <laughs> uh, which is a great, great name for an accountant because you get a second set of eyes on your books and your business, right? Oki means a little bit something different here in the South, but yeah. <laughs> 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 well, back to your regular show already yeah. in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leave your personal life out of this. <laughs> John, welcome. Welcome back. And and not only that, um, John's gonna what we're gonna be focusing on with John today is is really just some tips on making business ownership easier. And his deep background in the restaurant uh, space uh, actually is merged very nicely with our virtual guest. Uh, our virtual guest is Patrick Morlando. And Patrick is the director of operations for a franchise called Enjoy Your Party, which is revolutionizing the food service staffing industry. Patrick, welcome. Well, good morning. How is everyone today? Excellent. We are doing well. So, Patrick, since you're virtual and you're not in Buckhead, let our, let our listeners know, where are you calling in from? I am calling in from, from New Jersey. The uh, northern part of the country in a nice, uh, we should be getting some fall weather, but we've got some summer weather here. But, uh, We're experiencing the same thing here. <laughs> Mother Nature <yeah>. is confused. <laughs> Just, we're, we're, we're ready for the cold. We, uh, Mother Nature keeps giving us warm. So my leaves are confused because they're falling off the trees and uh, I'm still sweating. I should be, I should be getting cold right now. <laughs> Understood. Well, Patrick, I, let's just share with our listeners a little bit about your background and then specifically get into the business of Enjoy Your Party. Uh, it's it's our understanding that uh, you are the director of operations. Uh, and basically, when we think about food service staff, staffing industry, Enjoy Your Party's director of franchise operations, 
you explained that the brand is headed as demand for staffing services just continue to climb. And uh, we know that no one knows the food service better than you. Uh, you obviously have had a deep, deep career that is focused on rising through the ranks in the increasingly on-demand segment. Your first job actually was scooping ice cream at the age of 16? That's correct. That's correct. That was my first my entire professional career has been in the food service business, so that is correct. Sixteen years old, scoop of ice cream. <laughs> well, that and that and that's led led you to where you are today. Uh, your most recent job was as the sales operations manager for a leading coffee company, and now here you are helping fuel the success of the emerging franchise concept called Enjoy Your Brand. Correct. Uh, excellent. Uh, Kind of talk to us about that as as the director of franchise operations for Enjoy Your Party. Uh, tell us a little bit about your appreciation for for what it is that you do and the services Enjoy Your Party offers. You know, typically everyone goes to an event someplace where they're having a, a party in someone's home or they're going to a wedding at a banquet facility or even some of these corporate functions. Um, a lot of people take for granted the staff and where the staff comes from, you know, and how the food gets delivered and how the food gets presented. Mm. Um, where Enjoy Your Party's role in the existing is to protect the brand of our catering partner. So whoever the caterer is, they can make the best food in the world and present it beautifully on the plate. But if it's not served properly or it's not uh, cleaned up or just the whole presentation, that all experience is, is, is null and void. So um, enjoy your party. You know, we certainly understand that. And our goal is to provide top-notch service. Um, the vision started in 1994 okay. um, from our founder, Rosanna uh, Morlanda, who actually uh, is my wife. And um, since 1994, we've provided well-trained servers, bartenders, kitchen staff, uh, to the catering industry so they can just have one less piece to worry about as they put an event together they don't have to worry about the staff so that's what we do um, and it's staffing is uh, in, in our opinion has always been taken for granted that it, it just happens mm -hmm. and it doesn't just happen it's you know we're we're out there strictly devoted to food service uh, and we make sure that we go to any event uh, we follow our core values and our mission statement every day. Uh, and our main goal is to protect the brand and make sure the vision of the event is achieved. Wow. Uh, Patrick, you know, you really just hit on something there because we were just at the Women's Franchise Network event and uh, the guest speaker, uh, Mary Kay, she was actually speaking about core values. Uh, so it, that definitely creates the culture of the organization. Um, share, absolutely. Sh yeah, absolutely. Share with us a little bit about, you know, how, how, what have you grown to? How many employees, uh, how far is your reach today? Well, um, like I said, we started in, in 1994. Um, and my wife, Rosanna found that she had a, she asked me a question and she said, where do caterers get additional staff when they need them for special events? Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I said, I think you're going to figure it out, but I got to go to a meeting. <laughs> and, and I walked out the door and then um, she sent out some flyers, just, you know, kind of getting the feel. 
So here we are in 2017. Um, Enjoy Your Party has over 450 employees. We cover uh, staffing in five states, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Florida. Wow. We've gone to Chicago. Um, and that's one of the things that we realized with our core values. As we send staff to events, uh, you have to personally know each individual that you're going to set mm. from their from their their work attitude to their presentation to their skills and at over 450 employees we're at the point where it's tough to know everyone and we struggled sense. for about two years um, and that's why we decided to go down the franchise route okay. in addition to the five states we have four major national uh, food management company contracts where we do all their staffing for um, and that's, you know, keeps pulling us deeper and deeper and deeper. We were, just to kind of put that into perspective, we were the approved service provider for uh, the 2012 uh, RNC down in Tampa, the 2016 RNC and DNC in Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania. And when the Pope came to Philadelphia, we were the approved service provider for them. Wow. So, Sticking to our our core values and how we go to market, we just don't send the staff there just to fill, you know, to satisfy our bottom line. Um, it's it's how we go to market, and that's how we were recognized, and we got we got the opportunity to staff those those major events. Congratulations! I think that was a round of applause for that. That is exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a tremendous undertaking, um, and that's you know. 450 employees on a daily basis are, you know, I call it the war room, um, you know, where we go in and we have our scheduling team, mm-hmm. you know, where they're just, you know, they're broken up into the different categories, corporate events, private events, national account events, national account events. Oh. And the folks there just, you know, they work in unison and, and it's, it's magic, you know, watching it happen. Um, uh, uh, because uh. You, you have to look and then sometimes if you, if there's a person that changes, you know, for the, for the event that they're on, it could be a four or five person switch um, because we match the theme of the event to the to the personality of the caterer, to the personality of the staff that's going. Because if you got to go to work and you're at a party, if uh, the right mix of staff isn't there, then uh, there's a risk of the vision not happening. So. Patrick, this is John. I just wanted to ask, I, I think dealing with 450 employees is relatively easy compared to a husband and wife trying to work together in a business. <laughs> uh, how, 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 how do you guys deal with that challenge? Well, when, when, when Rosanna had started uh, the business back then, um, I was working for a major food company as a director of operations. And when I joined her, um, it was very difficult for me to, 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 to understand that she was the founder and she was the creator of the company. Um, but I've developed where, you know, I respect her position. Uh, we both have our, our separate roles. Um, you know, she's the, she's the CEO, makes all the decisions, and I handle all the franchising. So we've grown to, to, to stay in our individual spaces. Um, and we make our own decisions for our individual groups, but we also come together, you know, for the health of the company and, and make sure we're going on the right direction. 
it's very hard when a husband and wife work together. I mean, we've been just recently married 30 years uh, in September. <laughs> Congratulations. And thank you. And, uh, you know, 23 years in business. So all of our adult life, we've been working side by side. So um, it was hard to come across, but we, 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 we've mastered it at this point. Excellent. When did you, Patrick, when did you start franchising? When, uh, when did you officially decide to break out of just being a, you know, a privately held company and a founder of a concept and say, we need to package it and franchise it? What year was that? Well, you know, that, and that's the interesting point. That's one of the, one of the, uh, the war room conversations that Rosanna and I had because, um, you know, it's the birth of the company. We've always maintained our brand and our reputation mm -hmm. and as we were growing and the national accounts start coming and we started we started bringing on people in more states and and growing rapidly mm -hmm. you know we tried to manage it um you know from from our office but you start you start losing you start losing contact and start losing touch with the workers that you're sending so we we spent a long time on you know either we continue to, to grow because there is a certainly a need for, you know, trained, qualified staff. And there is a lot of companies that do what we do, but I think the way we go to market is very unique where we actually touch every customer and, 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 and in touch with every employee. So we're sending the right one. Um, Absolutely. So it was hard for us to, to really understand how do we find the right person to be a franchise mm -hmm. so it took us about two three years um for us to kind of kick it around and think about it so in 2000 and uh late 2015 uh we decided to franchise and we became we became legal with our fdd in march of 2016 and quite honestly we've had probably you know a hundred different leads over the past year plus Wow. And, um, um, you know, we sit down and we talk about each individual, you know, and, and I don't know if I can say this, but, you know, we're, we're not sure if, you know, they're a right fit, you know, if they're a right mm -hmm. fit for Enjoy Your Party because the, the person has to be, um, you know, sales driven, focused, you know, people oriented. Um, so, it's been a it's been a long road, but we're you know we've actually we've come to the grips and, and now we're you know we're looking to find that right individual to move. That sounds fantastic, and, and congratulations on on thirty years of marriage and twenty three years of working together. What a, what a solid relationship <laughs> you guys uh, must have, and I mean that with all sincerity. Yeah. Um, Patrick, what does the the ideal enjoy your party franchisee? What would that individual look like? Well. Um, in the food service, in the food service business, everyone there's a very small world, right? Everyone sure. knows everyone. It's uh, family. Uh, <laughs> it's all family, right? Yes. And the natural progression of food service workers, like me, you know, we started scooping ice cream, and as we moved up, we moved up to, you know, some type of manager, food service director, maitre d, uh, somewhere that's you know someone that's kind of worked up the ranks. So mm -hmm. the ideal candidate that we're looking for is someone that's been doing that and has that experience. And, and real key is to have front of the house experience as well as back of the house experience, mm. because you, anyone can train someone to serve food, but if they don't understand the total mechanics of a party, 
proper staffing levels, proper uh, uh, table setting techniques, uh, proper you know sanitary techniques in the kitchen, what levels of staff that you need, how many how many people you need on an event, you know that's you know disposable, mm-hmm. the china or so on and so forth. So the ideal candidate that we will look at is someone that has been in the food service business for so long. Uh, they 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 wanted they're looking for a career change, mm-hmm. but they don't want to get out of the food service business, and they're interested in doing something else. This is a great opportunity for them to transition from from uh, a career to business ownership. They've got all the national tools. You know, we've got you know a bunch of national accounts that we can provide to them. You know, and, and you know they can hit the door running. And what's nice about it? It's a low investment. There's no brick and mortar. You can be in business in 45 days, and it's it's a great transition from that experienced food service work. And, and if anyone's out there that's listening to this, probably in their mind, they never thought about mm-hmm. staffing as a viable option. And everyone that I've talked to, that you know, that I've known over years, when they just hired, you know, being a business, everyone has the vision of opening up a little corner luncheonette, you know, Monday through Friday, just for breakfast and lunch, and it'll be done. That's right. That's right. You know, but this is just a great, they can, you know, keep their their hand on the, you know, the pulse of the food service, be intimately involved. And there's so many things that they can do. They can get into event planning. They can get into, uh, you know, we have a a mobile espresso unit that we send out, you know, to, to different events. So there's a lot of options. And it's a great transition from, you know, food service into your own business. Let's. I, I want to talk a little bit about about that because uh, from a, just from a franchise perspective, you you obviously have the backbone of of what it is needed to be a franchisee. And, and Patrick, I totally agree with you. Uh, there are different industries where someone can step into it, maybe with no knowledge. But there's something about the food service space that it gets in your blood, right? It just comes. It's a part of who you are. And uh, just to give an additional business path to those that want to stay in the industry but are looking to make a change, great opportunity uh you did mention it it's a low investment but let's back up a little bit for those that are that are listening help them visualize like you said they they never think about this help them visualize what does a typical day or week look like as a franchisee what what would that look like for them well (laughs) that's that's very interesting Uh, my typical day because of you know the, the footprint that we cover you know, always starts out every morning, you know, me in, in the war room, you know, talking to the scheduling team and finding out what's what's going on, you mm-hmm. know, what we have on the schedule. Um, just for example, I've got a, I got a call at, at 3 o'clock this morning, you know, that one of our national accounts, uh, their person, their utility person called out sick, you know, so we had to, you know, get them a utility person for 6.30 this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, so that happens frequently um you know large events you know where we're sending a bus today out to pennsylvania you know with 17 staff members on it for an event that's been scheduled um so we talk about those probably for a good you know two two and a half hours each day and kind of lay out the week we'll talk about you know anything new that's come on you know the mix and match um and that's you know the main conversation and then that's just constantly going you know, all day long. Interesting. Um, and then from there, they get in. And then after that, I get into the administrative, 
you know, part of it, talking to our, our accounting department, making sure that, you know, that obviously that piece is all taken care of. We do all our own payroll in-house. Um, so our HR department's managing, you know, all the paperwork because it's the nature of the business. It's a very high turnover rate. So having, you know, a key office support to make sure that all the documentation for each individual is in place, uh, is there. Um, so before you know, you turn around, it's, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, then you're going out and you're, 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 I'm talking to my customers, uh, getting a, a report card on, you know, of who the people that we sent to, do you like them? Did you not like them? Did they fit, did they fit in your, in your mix? Because that's key, you know, in the food service business, uh, sometimes it's in any type of business, you get excited when somebody comes to work. Right, so they're, oh, they're there. Oh, great! I got you know a, a, a person there. But if, the, if they don't fit the mold, uh, you know, we have a customer that might be getting an individual that they don't um, doesn't fit their mix. But because they went to work, they're not going to say nothing. So we solicit that feedback to say, hey, do you like this person? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the skills? And and very open communication back and forth. Um, then I'll go out and I'll visit some of the you know bigger events that are going on, and then uh, you know sales. For other for other individuals, Patrick sounds like you know, a typical day is just, is pretty yeah. full for you. It's definitely full. My day usually starts you know six thirty seven o'clock in the morning, and I usually I usually don't sit down to to have a cup of coffee till you know six seven o'clock at night, and just kind of you know have a, uh, a a family business recap of the day, um, you know of what transpired. Because one of the things I I didn't mention earlier. It's not only my wife and I that are in the business. Um, my two children are in the business as well. Maria Morlando, she's our director of training and development. Um, she's graduated with a, her, her teaching degree um, and has taken our training program and has completely turned it into a fantastic curriculum where it's it's interactive with it. You know, people come in for their training. So, you know, she updates us on, you know, where she is on training classes that are getting scheduled. Mm-hmm. You know, her field checks on, you know, spot checks on employees and do spot check checking out there. My son, Giuseppe, you know, he's the he's the office uh, manager type where he's, uh, you know, day-to-day operations of, you know, scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm not around or Rosanna's not around, you know, handling, you know, fielding phone calls, just, you know, all internal operations. So it's a family affair. So our dinner after working 12 hours or dinner at night as a family is you know, <laughs> recapping the day. So it's a 24 seven, seven job. Very, very interesting. Hey, I have a question for you. Um, you know, I'm running a catering business and I need that staff. How much notice do you need ahead of time? Give us a little bit about the, the front end process when the customer is going to reach out to you. Well, it's, you know, it's, that's the, that's the million dollar question. You know, I tell I tell all my customers you have your your key peak seasons. You know, certain times of the year where everyone's getting married or everyone's having a graduation party or whatever. If you think you're going to need staff, please get it onto the schedule. Um, if you if you don't need them, then we can always replace them someplace else. If typically we can like well, for example, today we had a six hour turnaround. You know, customer call this morning. We had, a, we had a utility person there at 6.30 in the morning. So depends on the position, depends on the time of year. We can do same day, uh, but obviously larger events, 
you know, we like as much notice as possible so we can make sure, um, you know, that we've, we've got the right, uh, the right, the right people to the event. Right. And, and that makes so. total sense, you know, and in that three thirty phone call that you got in the morning, I mean, that really kind of leads into the, the leadership and, and development. And could you talk a little yeah. bit about what makes a, a great leader in, in an executive team? Well, uh, if, if I could just go back a little bit here, and I think um, it goes back to why we wanted the franchise. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of people that that do what, what we do in food service staffing. There's, we have we have competition throughout the country, uh, some of which are strictly devoted to food service, most of which are do everything from light industrial to food service to administration to you name it. And as a manager of a branch sometimes they really don't answer that phone at three o'clock in the morning you know and they don't uh, oh i didn't hear the call or you know my phone was turned off so they're not going to staff or make the effort to go out and staff that event as an owner as a franchise he of enjoy your party you know they always say got skin in the game right Absolutely. they're going to be more in tune to make sure that their phone is near their nightstand that's right. You know, to make sure make sure they answer the phone, because if they don't, you know, then the brand enjoy your party gets damaged because we're going to be unreliable. Um, so yeah. that, that's that's one of the key reasons why we decided to franchise, and kind of pull back a couple of years ago of opening offices mm-hmm. and putting the manager in there because it happened to us and we we know that it certainly hurts us uh, as we were moving forward. So. You know, an executive management team has to be someone, you know, that that realizes and understands, you know, the, the business potential of who they are, of what the businesses, you know, can generate, mm-hmm. as well as understand that you got it might have to be a dishwasher. <laughs> you know, right. when, when your major account, you know, calls and, and, and you don't have a dishwasher, you got to roll up your sleeves. You, you got to get out there. So, um so, you know, as an executive management team, we're we're managers. We're in charge. We make the decisions, but we're right out there in the you know in, in the field with with our team. Absolutely, you know? you're in the trenches, and that sounds that definitely makes for a good leader. And uh, just to let you know, Patrick, you hit on something very key when it comes to the franchise space, and that is that's that this franchising is an incredible growth strategy. And part of the reason why it's such a great growth strategy is because you are getting invested business owners. Um, um, they have skin in the game, to use your words, uh, and it's a win-win for all parties, not only you as the founder of a concept, but also because uh, as a growth strategy, you're getting individuals that are having more of a hands-on owner-operator uh, mentality, and they have skin in the game financially, and they need to make it successful locally. Uh, and that's why, you, right, as the founder of the concept, you're getting someone to invest in your business. In addition, you're getting the talent to run it on a local level. It's a beautiful Absolutely. business model. I'm just curious, John Q., with everything you've heard, I, I see your head bobbing up and down. What are your thoughts around that? I have no thoughts. No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just I just it popped into my head. I, I interviewed a potential new client that was opening a restaurant, and I asked him, you know, what made him decide to go into the restaurant business, and he said he was tired of working so hard. <clears throat> and I was th I immediately started thinking about who would be the great second owner of that location because obviously his he he was going to be a ninety day wonder. Um, and it is, it is that dedication and that passion that, that, that keeps places like that, you know, going and, and, and putting that stuff in. Um, so, I, I, you know, I believe that, that finding that right person, and I've always defined great leaders as having great followers and the right opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have ever heard of George Patton if World War II, II hadn't come around, right? So he had that opportunity. So taking your skill set as an individual that's looking for a career and applying it to a particular franchise concept like yours is, 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 is the way the match has to go. And does this concept provide the opportunity to most fully utilize what skills you have available and i'm sure that that's a big part of your decision making when you when you decide to take on a franchisee absolutely so i just kind of want to i want to throw up a couple topics for a roundtable discussion and you actually on our side conversation brought these up patrick and um, I do think that there's some myth around, just say, the, the F&B, the food and beverage industry, right? Uh, many of those that are considering franchise ownership, they immediately want to go to a food-related concept because it's what they know as a consumer. But the points that are really being touched upon here is is that it's a lot of hard work, and uh, there's got to be a, a lot of appreciation and value around it. Um, so let's just kind of I, I, roundtable discussion education around the food service industry the importance of trained and qualified food service staffing if you were going to say something to those that are listening and want to educate them around the food service industry i'm just going to do a roundtable discussion john q i'm going to kick it off with you i know you work with a lot of restaurant owners what what advice or education would you give around that well, you know, everybody has their certain things they want to emphasize. And obviously in the restaurant business, things like appetizers, drinks, and desserts are the biggest profit margin that, that, that some places have. And I was struck last weekend. I went out to eat, and, you know, I got the cliché after dinner, did you save room for dessert? Um you know, and, 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 you know, I just, when, when people say that to me, I get the impression of, oh, you glutton, I just saw you stuff yourself for half an hour. Can we pack any more food into you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know that they tr they're trying to train their employees to, you know, to upsell or sell to, for dessert. I can remember once talking to, uh, you know, I had waitress come over and say, oh, we just got this fabulous new dessert. I was, I'm sorry I'm, I'm late coming out to see your table, but I was just eating it. It was so fantastic and wonderful. I had to finish it. And I think you should get that. A whole, I mean, it's the same exact, um, same exact uh, uh, end game. But, of course, the approach was completely different. Is that a big part of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you one of the, you, you mentioned something that that is a, a, is a huge 
huge pet peeve of of us. Every time we go out, we're always, we, you know, we're we're watching the food service. I mean, sure. I was at a You're a conference a couple of weeks ago, and the speaker, the keynote speaker, you know, was was doing his presentation, and the staff was clanging dishes. You know, one guy dropped the fork on the floor and kicked it clear across the floor instead of bending down and pick it up. So I noticed that thing, but the one thing that really, really irks me, I'm sure you heard this one. What can I get you guys? The server will come to the table. What can I get you guys? You guys want a drink? And Boy, that sounds very Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> when Maria when Maria does her training, that's uh that's she talks about she talks about that a lot. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Food service, it's just assumed. Um, you know, that someone is gonna serve the food. They just show up, you know, and training is training is, is so key. I can't I can't stress it enough and, and Maria does a great job. Um, you know, educating nobody goes out to an event until they've gone through Maria's training class. Excellent. She's uh Fantastic. we I call her I remember the old Haynes uh underwear, the inspector twelve. <laughs> uh, that's Maria. I mean, you know, she she doesn't let anybody go out to a training class before uh, without you know, without going to a training class because it's important. It's really I, a, I got another you know, question I, question a little off the subject. Uh tip jars at private events. They they always kind of make me feel a little uncomfortable to have a bartender at a private event, you know, in somebody's house or at an event facility that have a tip jar in front in front of them. What is your policy on thoughts on that? I think that's page two of the training manual in big bold letters. No tip jars and no food goes home with you. Got it. Uh, it's you're right. It's it's especially at a private home. It's 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 embarrassing to put it up. If someone's going to give you a tip, you're obviously going to take you're going to take the tip. Sure. Um, but no, we don't allow we don't allow even in banquet facilities. I just I was at an event this past Saturday. It was a a comedy a comedy fundraiser uh, for for a major hospital group in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I, I you know I walked up to the the, the we had four bartenders at two separate bars. And there was a tip jar in front, and, and, and as soon as I was walking over, uh, the bartender looked at me and started saying, I didn't put that there. You know, the event coordinator did, because they know. And I went over to the event coordinator, and I said, take that jar down. It's mm. just it's very cheesy. We don't, yeah. we don't do not Yeah, it goes against your values. Taking food your values. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Patrick, one other, speaking of event coordinators, planners, uh, you know, I would think as a franchisee, an owner, you would want to heavily be networking with event planners. That would be a value add to your business when it comes to catering. Uh, is is that an additional revenue stream to their existing business? Talk to us about who are the business partners or the individuals that your franchisee should be networking with to build their business. Well, and that's a great that's a great topic because you know as we we, we looked at our mo- our model on who we wanted to. Who we wanted to target, you know, as potential franchises. We, you know, we often thought about, you know, what about an off-premise caterer? You know, that when their business gets slow, you know, is this is this a value-added business to their business that they can expand on? So we we kind of, you know, put our toe in the water on that. And we looked at it and we said, you know what, you know, maybe they wouldn't be a good fit because when their business grows 
and they're in they're in their busy season, um, they're not going to worry about the enjoy your party part of the business. Um, you know, we have you know four national accounts that we need to staff, and uh, they might not focus 100. percent So, a couple of people that we thought and we've been talking and networking a lot with mm-hmm. are specific event planners. Okay. Uh, event planners, uh, party rental companies. You know ah, where they you know, yes, rent the tables absolutely. and the chairs. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great added business to them. We've 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 talked to um, a, a company that does limousines. Oh. You know, and they have like mm-hmm. charter buses. Yeah. Where this would this would be a great added business to them, uh, and an additional revenue stream. Absolutely. And, and specifically with event planners. Um, you know, they're they're leaving to chance. You know, an event planner will meet with, you know, a bride. We'll use, a, you know, a bride, for example, for a wedding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll spend days and hours, you know, hours and days talking about the vision of how they want it to go. They'll go out and they'll select the, the caterer for it. Um, and then they kind of hope the day of the event that everything comes together. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the flowers look great. The venue will look great. The food will look great. But it's in June, and the caterer is like, "Uh-oh, <laughs> I got a million things going on." So the first thing they do, you know, is they ask, you know, their staff if they've got some friends who's got some friends. Well, they'll go to one of these, you know, internet posting sites for jobs, and and you'll get someone that'll show up, that most likely in the wrong uniform, most likely has no experience, or maybe has experience, but maybe was working in a in a. Uh, uh, a, a diner or some type of restaurant that doesn't have any banquet experience. Sure. And all of a sudden that vision just gets shot. Mm. So event planners as a great added value to their business, they can have a core set of staff, right? That, you know, they can have the maitre d', you know, the captain, you know, the, 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 the section supervisors mm-hmm. where they can add that piece of business to their fee, right? So when, they're at least having their own management team that can kind of run and control, you know, the, the, the caterer or the staff that's going on. And in addition, you know, while they're not been planning any events, you know, it's a great added value uh, to their business. So I think yep. those are key people to, uh, uh, to look at. Great. Now, so let's just do this, um, kind of getting on the second half of the show here. I do want to make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, what your website links are, your social media links, it's very memorable, but I'll let you share. <laughs> we have our, our, our website is, is www.enjoyaparty.com. That's our company website. Okay. Our franchise website is www.enjoyyourpartyfranchise.com. And then on Facebook, we're under Enjoy Your Party. And then we have an Instagram, uh, enjoy underscore your underscore party. So if someone and wanted then, to reach you, Patrick, with the with the best way to do that, would it be just to go to, uh, to one of those sites? Or do you have an email address? What would be the best way for someone to contact you if they were interested in learning more about becoming a franchisee? Yeah, my direct email address is, is uh, uh, P, as for Patrick, Morlando, M-O-R-L-A-N-D-O, at enjoyyourparty.com. And that, that's directly to me. Uh, and then our office phone number, I can give it, it's a toll-free number. It's uh, 888 mm-hmm. uh, 
888-397-3979. Patrick, repeat that phone number for us again. 888-397-3979. Okay. And just again for our listeners, it, it's P. Morlando. That's uh, P as in Patrick. M-O-R-L-A-N-D-O at enjoyyourparty.com, correct? Perfect. Yep, absolutely. Excellent. I want to um, I, I want to circle on Patrick. Thank you so much. Wow, what a wealth of information. And I and I I know that um, as you've already alluded to that this is a, a huge need out there, an incredible business model uh, for the franchise space. And uh, one last quick question for you: Are you targeting some specific markets that you want to? Um, you know, have franchisees in? Um, are yep. you open? Any specific markets you're targeting? Well, um, as our plan, as we, we roll out, we want to, we, we want to, we already have a strong presence. Uh, we actually have our own office that, that we do up in Albany, New York. Okay. And we have one down in, in Florida. Okay. Down in uh, uh, Boynton Beach, Florida. What our, what our goal is to target the East Coast and keep everyone or keep our franchise within a five to seven hour car drive from us. Uh, this way we can, we don't believe in and just the nature of a business. You know, we, we looked at other franchise models and, you know, you go out to their university, you learn how to make their sandwich, you know, then they come back to you and they spend two weeks with you and everything else is done through the, you know, the POS system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're looking to, to invest a lot of time, you know, our, our training model, um, you know, is, is two weeks here at our corporate office in New Jersey where we go through all aspects of administration, training, working all the different events, uh, you know, private events, corporate events, banquet events, special events, uh, train the trainer on the training classes. We also, uh, Maria is also our, our TIPS uh, alcohol certification trainer. So she can train that person to the franchisee to be alcohol trained so they can, you know, step that down to their individuals, you know, to understand the levels of intoxication. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go through the whole uh, recruitment and selection process with franchises. Once that's done and that two weeks is done, we go to your office, you know, for, you know, two weeks. And we do the same thing there. And we want to nice. keep it within that five to seven hour driving range. Um, this way, if the, a special event does pop up or we need to react, you know, we're not a, we're not at the mercy of an airline to get there. You know, so <laughs> we want to be able to get there quick. Now I understand. Um, a lot of excellent... So we're, we're targeting the East coast right now. East coast um, and then, you know, as our footprint grows, you know, and, and the nature of our business too, is we don't need, uh, we don't need to have a lot of franchises, right? Okay. Just because, you know, yep. the territory. Understand. So, you know, key place franchises, franchisees, you know, would be the ideal one. So Kind of creating you know, your own boutique you at, franchise system. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cool. So one person, you know, you know have, we, have, we have on our package, you know, we have a, a you know, single franchise and a development part. Uh, and we encourage the development because... You know, all you can buy three franchises, you know, um, and you can operate all three territories, you know, out of your one main office, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so finding the right one that's looking for growth, uh, 
you know, is where is where we're going to market. Excellent. Well, what I, uh, and by the way, I, I really appreciate um, the strong training and support because that's definitely um, something that is, is dear to my heart is is the appropriate training and support to put someone in position for success. Uh, cool. What I'd like to do is, is I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shift gears here, Patrick, and we hope that you can stay online with us. We know you, you're sure. with us virtually. Uh, but I do want to, I want to move, move over to John Q. Uh you know, John has been in the studio before, and he has uh, got so much knowledge, especially in the food service space, um, and really just tips on making business ownership easier. Um, I know you work across the um, many industries, John, but let's just say let's stay in the space we're in right now, the food service industry. Um, I guess one thing that I, I mean, this is a general question. You and I have talked about this for for that. Let's say restaurant owner. Uh, let's get out of the staffing side. But for the restaurant owner, when they are having to manage all of those moving parts and costs, what comes to mind for you around that? Well, you know, going back to Patrick talking about uh, his first job scooping ice cream and relating that to food cost. I was at a um, an ice cream shop and I got a triple scoop sundae. Uh, the the employee put the three scoops in a cup, put it on a scale and weighed it. And apparently she had put too much ice cream in there. So she went to the sink and she scraped some of the ice cream out of the cup into the sink <laughs> and washed it down the drain and then handed it to me. Um, obviously very, very well trained not to overpackage her, her product and to keep the food cost down. <clears throat> And, you know, just 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 the general impression that we would rather throw this food away than give it to you um, is kind of an overemphasis on food cost and relates obviously keenly to what you guys were saying about proper training and doing things the right way. Um, but, John, let's talk about cost. So sure. if, if someone owns, I mean, this area of expertise, if you were going to be advising a, let's say, a restaurant owner, and I know there's going to be different variables that come into play for the business model, the financial business model. Sure. What, the, generally, where do you want to fall with your labor costs, your food costs, your equipment costs, your, you know, real estate costs? Uh, I mean, is there a general model to follow around that? Well, ideally, we want to put 15 to 20% of, of sales on the bottom line, which means you'll run 30 to 35% food costs, maybe 30, 25% to 30% labor, and then your occupancy, your rent, you want it to be, um, the general use, rule used to be closer to 10%, but the way conditions are, that's, that, that, that's going down and mm -hmm. maybe approaching you know 5 or 6%. Um, the misleading thing about that is that any percentage is a cause and effect. So you can look at a restaurant and say, wow, your, your rent is 15% of your sales. You're paying too much in rent. But the reality is your sales are just half what they should be. And if you got your, if you doubled your sales, your, your rent percentage would, would drop in half. Absolutely. Um, and even on the labor side, um, and Patrick will know this too, that your, your labor is not 
is not always a variable cost it's fixed too mm. you can't hire a dishwasher and have him clock out when there are no dishes to wash and clock back in when there's another one and then clock out you know you have to have that one hostess up front and again you can't make her clock at, clock out because there's nobody walking in the door so separating you know your fixed overhead labor from your variable labor is another thing that needs needs to be considered and yes, uh, like Patrick says, there's a there's a point in time where you may have to roll up your sleeves and do some dishwashing too because you just don't have a second one second one available, and that particular guy is 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 overloaded. Yeah. Um, so I think some of the input and enjoy your party. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> your labor slides. You know, <laughs> right. You're busy. Your labor costs go up when you're you know when you're not busy. You know, you don't have you don't have fixed labor costs. You don't have to have that case of French fries in the freezer, you know, or the you know the, the grill turned on. Right. You know, there's yeah. virtually no overhead. That's right. So I mean, you need a, a computer, a, a computer, a phone, and a, and a notepad and a pen. <laughs> you know, and, and and you're good to go. Good. Yeah, staffing model is a beautiful business model. Um, and, and, John, I kind of want to just stay on this path just because sure. of how many franchisees you work with that are actually have physical restaurants, Patrick. Not in the staffing space, but actually have physical restaurants. Mm -hmm. uh, like One thing that obviously comes to mind, and everyone hears this, is that the greatest failure rate is in the restaurant space. Uh, yet, at the same time, we probably, statistics are easily manipulated. At the same time, we see more and more restaurants popping up. And there's reasons why people are getting into that space. If you were going to give advice to someone who was entering into being a restaurant owner, um, how do... Just John, how how to avoid failure? I guess that would be one one of the first questions that come to mind. Well, and and especially for a multi-unit operator, we like to say that your Taj Mahal location maybe is your third one. Um, you know, get the doors open as quickly as possible with as as low a fixed cost as you can, and. You know, if you look at the first Chick-fil-A dwarf house, it just doesn't look the same as what a current modern Chick-fil-A looks like now, right? Mm -hmm. So his vision for what his locations were going to ultimately look like were not the same as the first one he opened that started generating revenue. So get open as quickly as you can, you know, get open as affordably as you can and and start start generating revenue. Another problem that 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 we see often is undercapitalization mm -hmm. where somebody goes out and gets enough money to get the doors open and the first day they're operating they don't have a penny in the bank account mm. and they expect to be profitable from the from the first from the first minute you know planning your 30 to 90 days worth of operating capital into your acquisition cost and into your working capital needs I think is one of the most important things you can do. Now, the other side is, you know, do you want to have a slow opening that gradually builds and not do a lot of advertising, have a lot of word of mouth, and just slowly crank up your, your volume? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or would you like to go out, hire a lot of marketing people, get a big bang, and and spend that upfront money to to get your tables as full as possible as early as possible. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and two schools of thought there. And I, I think Ken might want to have a little input on that. I would, I would say this, that um, I think one of the advantages of franchising for anyone that's moving into restaurant ownership is is they're giving you that roadmap. You know, they're preparing you for not only around the site selection, the build out, hopefully getting some economies of scale in place on those very important variables when opening up a restaurant location. In addition, they, they have that, that item seven in their franchise disclosure document that's allowing you to have an outline of what that estimated initial investment looks like do I have some operating capital in place while I'm ramp- ramping up the business so I can survive? So, um, you, know, I, you know, I do think there is a lot of failure in the restaurant space. I think it's because you do have a lot of independent mom paws who are trying to make it work. And definitely one of the value points from a franchising standpoint is, is you're, you're being put in a position for success. You're being given that roadmap. You're, you're that, that no guarantees. There's always risk involved in business, but hopefully you're, you're definitely putting yourself in a position for greater success. Uh, certainly. And, you know, if you're, if you are serving, you know, if you're serving a, a, a burger, you know, how do you price that burger? What's the retail do you base it on your on on what your competitors charge, um, or do you do it scientifically? If you're in the franchise space, you will have you know a good model of how much it priced, how much it costs, mm-hmm. and what your profit will be based on that. And I think a lot of that work is done on the franchise, you know, by by the franchisor that eliminates a lot of that risk there. Right. And you know, I'm charging 5.99 for a burger cuz the guy next door is charging that. Well, you know, your cost might be twice what his is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And understanding all of those details to get to the needed margins. John, um, how would someone reach out to you uh, just to get, you know, your services and help? Well, you know, business uh, ownership. Sure. Um, I'm at John Q at John com is my email address. Anybody can email me with uh, good, bad or silly questions and I'll take the time <laughs> to answer them. Uh, my office number is 770-395-0223. What's that number? Uh, 770-395-0223. Um, you know, my office physically located by the new Brave Stadium. <laughs> Wait, the season's over, so we can't call it the new stadium. Actually, it's the second newest stadium in Atlanta now, right? Um, And you can reach me there. And obviously, I love love meeting with people. I love evaluating business plans. I love contributing to business plans, helping people run the numbers, understand the numbers, and see where they're going to get from beginning to end, see what capital is involved. You know, we have lenders and other resources that are comfortable in the restaurant space and um, other suppliers that that would make the whole experience easier to put together and put together a whole package for you that'll help you get up, get rolling, and get started. Great show. Really, Patrick, just really appreciate you sharing with our listeners the opportunity to enjoy your party. Uh, John Q. with a lot of deep experience and tips on making business ownership easier. Uh, um, wonderful resource. Ken, before we wrap up the show, uh, any any updates that you want to share for our listeners? We do have a, a couple of updates. And, and first, I wanna, I'm going to give a, a book plug here. And I don't normally do this, but because of our discussion today with Patrick around franchising yes. and what we've been talking about, 
ownership and skin in the game. Mm. There is a book that I read this year called Extreme Ownership, and it's written by a couple of Navy SEALs, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And they take battlefield examples and apply them to business. And it's a fantastic read. And it's the best book that I've seen where you can take an employee and get them to have that sense of ownership in the business, Ah. even though they don't own. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a fantastic book and very pertinent to the discussion that we had today. And give me the name of the book again. Extreme Ownership. Extreme if you Google Ownership. It, yeah, it'll pop right up. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, great it's tip. A, it's a great book. A couple of other quick updates. Yes. HR 3441, the uh, joint employer bill is now out of committee. Uh, and it came out on October 10th out of committee and it'll be going to the floor. Now, I think we've had some discussion in the past about what that means in the franchise space. And uh, it's, it's called the Save Your Local Business Act, and, it, and it's called that for a reason. So, um, But it's, it's great news. It, it came out of committee with, with bipartisan support. A couple quick updates. We got Frantech out in San Diego, uh, October 19th and 20th. And then the Emerging Franchise or Conference uh, put on by the IFA in Phoenix, Arizona, on November 6th through 8th. And if you need information about those, you can go to ifa.org. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Really a great show today. uh, And just want to thank all of our listeners. Um, As a simple reminder, Franchise Business Radio, this is your host, Pamela Curry. uh, And this is a platform for bringing together franchise professionals and resources to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and the franchise consumer. Thank you for listening in. service franchise consulting and development firm more info at franchiseintellect.com also made possible in part by social joey the social media experts that provide a hyper local presence for your franchise more info at socialjoey.com use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at franchisebusinessradio.com 